Welcome to the Imago Day Eastside Gathering Podcast. Good morning, Imago Day. I haven't, I haven't said that in person for a long time. And we're glad that you're with us today, whether it's here in person or online. Um, this last 10 months has really changed what it means to participate as a church. And while the church wasn't always meeting on Sunday, the church didn't go away. Amen. Uh, we are a gathered and sent people. And so we were scattered and gathered all at the same time. And that's going to be the way it is for some time. And so whether you are participating in person or participating online, uh, we consider all of that participation in worship of God. And we believe that our God can meet us through any medium, through any way. And we are praying that he'll do that today. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. And traditionally, we start a series called Saving Justice around this time. We are moving that to post-Easter with the hope that there can be more people here and we'll be able to engage and process and heal and have some of those conversations in person. And so um, that's just an update. We are recognizing, though, that as part of our ongoing journey in racial diversity, that Martin Luther King often spoke of moral leadership and the need to have a moral voice when he spoke out against injustice. And even in general, how we act towards each other, whether that's neighbor or nation. And when he spoke of that moral leadership, it, is, it dawned on me how how massively we need that now in our country. Uh, for a moral voice that would have the courage and the commitment, not just to hear the teachings of Jesus, but to put them into practice. And so as we celebrate uh, Martin Luther King Day, I also am reminded that that work that he has done is not finished. And we must continue it. As we are in the second week of a series about forgiveness, what does it mean to find freedom through forgiveness? My heartbeat, the thing that I, I am praying that I feel like God wants of us is that in the midst of 2021, while we are beginning to see hope on the horizon for uh, a vaccine and perhaps the eradication of COVID, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a way out there horizon, but we see it, right? And, and we're looking. Um, but as we continue to be polarized as a nation and a church around politics and rage and much more, and as most of you have suffered through this season in a very isolated way, I believe that God wants us to find incredible freedom in 2021. And the freedom that I believe God wants to bring us is not a circumstantial freedom, but is a freedom that actually allows us to endure any circumstances that come our way. And I believe God wants to use his church, his people collectively 
to be a healing agent in our communities and in our country. Amen? And so what does it look like for us to experience one of the most freeing and powerful things that Jesus does for us when he forgives us? What does it look like to experience the freedom and empowerment for us to forgive others? And that's what I want us to look at today. You can turn with me in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. We're just going to look at one verse, and that verse is found in uh, 4.32. Paul writes this, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as... As in Christ, God forgave you. These are, these are easy words to say, right? Like, oh yeah, we should do that. <laughs> Forgiveness is this double-edged sword. Like, it is amazing to receive it. But it is not great to have to give it. Right? So if you are on the receiving end of forgiveness, you're like, oh man, that verse rocks. If you're on the one that has to do the just as Christ forgave thing, you're like, mm, that is not easy. And, and yet, I don't believe that Jesus is saying, look, you do this because I did it, and that's only fair. I don't think that's why he's calling us to forgive. I don't think it's this demand that he is calling out to us to do in order so that we can somehow achieve something. I believe that Jesus knows that unforgiveness, the opposite of forgiveness, that unforgiveness is a path to bondage and to unfreedom, right? It feels right when somebody has wounded you to want vengeance, to want to hold it over someone else's head. We feel the wound, we suffer the trauma, we carry the scars, so why shouldn't we demand payback? It only is right. And yet unforgiveness, Jesus knows that it damages the whole person. Christ knew this, so his invitation to experience this freedom through forgiveness is only because he loves you. He doesn't call you to something that he thinks will be unfair for you. He calls you to something that is good for you because he loves you. And when we when we think about this, we recognize that unforgiveness affects the whole person. Even scientists have studied and recognized this. Worthington and Scheer, the psychologists, wrote in a research study, they concluded that unforgiveness is a type of stress response, that it has a direct impact on our mental health and the psychology of our person. The study also suggests that unforgiveness can be viewed as a state which in a person is confined to a st stressful state of mind. That means that, that when we are carrying around unforgiveness, that we have entered not just into like a relationship that we're frustrated with, but our whole being is actually being confined to a sense of stress. Now, what's great is that in our country, in our nation, we don't have unforgiveness. 
but I've seen it in uh, documentaries and stuff, right? <laughs> when you look at our country, it means that we are all in a stressful state. Because everything from social media to the news to whatever is not talking about unforgiveness. It's talking about payback and vengeance and who's right and who's wrong and who's evil and who's righteous. There's a great book that I recommend to you called Forgiving What You Can't Forget by Lisa Turkist. And I'm not going to even try to spell it for you. But she writes this about her personal experience of having gone through a, a marriage where her husband had an affair and finding out and all the pain that that causes. And she talked about how, how unforgiveness had built up in her and, and it felt right. She didn't want to let go of it. But she, she says these are the things she experienced. She said, first, I experienced cynicism. That, that if I saw other people experiencing joy and love rather than celebrating that, I was cynical towards it. Bitterness. Just the festering of a wound that grows into a sense where your overall outlook is not one of joy or hope, but it's bitter. Resentment, she felt, towards people who hadn't experienced what she had. Trust issues with other people, not just her husband, but other people. Like you can't trust anybody because of this. And replaying the experience over and over being held hostage to the pain. Has anybody ever played the experience over and over? Okay, one of you and the rest of you are liars. So that's good to know, <laughs> right? Laying in bed and just that, that conversation and this is what I should have done. This is what I should have said. Or you just haven't dealt with it yet, but you're rehearsing for the big day when you will say what needs to be said. And so what unforgiveness does in us is that it affects our whole person. It affects our heart. When we look at areas of our life where maybe we are trying to numb the pain, you know, when you're in pain and you go to the doctor and your body is broken and they say, we are going to anesthetize you so we can fix you. Don't you wish there was an anesthetologist who could work on our emotional life? Like, can you just give me that shot and put me under and I'll wake up and I'll feel better? But we do that. We find other ways to medicate, to anesthetize. Could it be that many of the habits and the problems and the issues that we are struggling with actually are rooted in unforgiveness that we have carried with us year after year after year? When you think of Martin Luther King... In light of all that he and those who fought for civil rights suffered, right? The dehumanizing names, the injustice of not being able to use the bathroom, not being able to ride in, in a bus seat of your choosing, to voting, to beatings, to imprisonments, to torture, to lynchings, to suffer all of that. 
And then to say these words, he says this, as my sufferings mounted, I soon realized that there were two ways in which I could respond to my situation. Either to react with bitterness or to seek to transform the suffering into a creative force. And I decided to follow the latter course. There were two roads, he says, that he could have go. One is to let that root of bitterness fester and see where that goes, or to take this suffering that he's experienced and to creatively inquire how it might be used as a creative force through forgiveness. Forgiveness, and this is the first point I want you to get. Forgiveness sets us free from the destructive forces unforgiveness creates. And it frees God up to transform your suffering into creative redemption. Right? That's what God wants to do. Imagine being able to be freed up from all that laundry list of stuff that I just read. Imagine to be able to lead a civil rights movement that would change the world. What if MLK had chosen the other route? Where would our country be today? We got a long ways to go, but I would venture to guess that it would be much, much worse. Forgiveness sets us free from the destructive forces of unforgiveness and it frees God up to transform your suffering into a creative force of redemption. Secondly, forgiveness opens us up to receive God's love and to actually offer that love to other people. Because forgiveness, first of all, is an act of love from God towards us in Christ. And we desperately need that love to forgive our sins. And when you forgive, you pour out God's love on someone else. Martin Luther King said this, when we return hate for hate, it multiplies hate. Adding deeper darkness to a night that is already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Amen? Amen. You can clap it up, all of you. Like, let's check. You hear that at home? It's just a massive stadium of people. Um, it is a supernatural thing to forgive. It is... It is otherworldly. It is divine. It is something that God has brought into our world. You name the pain. You suffer the injury. You accept the loss and then forgive the offender and release them from retribution. Man, that does not happen in our streets, in our newspapers, in our city halls. And to experience it, which I know you have, to experience that kind of forgiveness from God is a miracle. <clears throat> and to offer it to someone else 
is the same size miracle. Forgiveness opens us up to receive God's love and to offer that love to others. Lastly, when we walk in forgiveness, we change the world with the power of God's love. When Paul writes to forgive just as, I hate when the Bible says just as, and then it follows it by Christ, right? Because you're like, man, I'm not even close to just maybe, let alone just as. He's, but what he's talking about here is a way of life. How many times have you gone to Jesus for forgiveness? Like more than 10 Right? Like, what if he said, look, I got 50 forgives to give you. Where would we be right now? Yeah, we'd be bummed. (laughs) Because what Jesus sacrificed was a once-for-all sacrifice so that forgiveness could be the way of life. But we want to quantify it when it comes to how often we forgive. You remember Peter did this. He said, Lord... After Jesus talked about forgiveness, he said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Like seven? (laughs) Literally, seven times? Because seven is kind of a biblical number, right? We'll throw that out there. And Jesus says, no, I tell you, 70 times seven. And he was like, oh, man. Um, And I don't think what Jesus was saying is 490. Then you're good, right? Jesus started a revolution, one that runs opposite of the world that we now live in, where we love our enemies instead of slander them. We forgive those who wrong us instead of demanding payback. We live a life of forgiveness, knowing that we have come to Jesus and asked for forgiveness too many times to count. Just as... In Christ, God forgave you. Martin Luther King says this, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. And when we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. King said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. When we offer forgiveness to another person, to a family, to a group, to a tribe, we are releasing the power of Jesus's love into the world. And that love is more powerful than all the hate and evil that the enemy would throw at us. Martin Luther King knew this. He said, here then is the Christian weapon against social evil. We are to go out with the spirit of forgiveness, heal the hurts, right the wrongs, and change society with forgiveness. Of course, we don't think this is practical. But he said, this is the solution of the race problem. He lived that. He believed that. And yet if you ask me to forgive that guy that just pulled in front of me or ran into my car, 
I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. There are other examples of this divine supernatural impartation of the power of God through forgiveness. After the genocide in Rwanda, whole villages forgave other villages who had led the slaughter of their families and their parents and their friends and their churches. And they stood up and they went as far to not just forgive, but to reconcile. My friend Celestine reconciled and forgave the man who killed 70% of his church and his family members. And when he was in the States doing his PhD, the man who led the slaughter was taking care of Celestine's mom. Right? Where does that come from? That is supernatural. That is otherworldly. That is heaven breaking into earth. And brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, it is the power of Jesus that will break in through us into this world through the power of forgiveness. To forgive just as in Christ God forgave us. In the coming weeks, we will look at how to forgive. What is the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation? What if the person doesn't repent? What if they don't ask for forgiveness? What about deep trauma? Should we allow ourselves to be repeatedly injured? There's lots of questions, but today, I just want us to realize how deadly unforgiveness can be and how powerful God's love is when we Forgive as Christ has forgiven us. See, forgiveness does not, I think for some of us, we think, well, forgiving is just ignoring, just, re, you know, brushing it off. But forgiveness is not this. It does not make light of our sufferings. Forgiveness doesn't just brush it off and pretend it never happened. It's just the opposite of that. It names the offense. It suffers all the bloody mess of another's sins towards us. And then somehow, by God's loving power, we forgive just as we've been forgiven. And if you question that, just look at the cross of Christ. When Jesus hung there, abused, tortured, beaten, flogged, and finally nailed to a cross, he was not brushing off our sins. He was suffering them on the cross, only to turn towards us and say, Father, forgive them. Three words that changed my world. I believe they've changed your world. And I believe they can change our world. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we come to you as sinners in need of a forgiving God. We come to you, God, both the victim of other people's sins and the victimizer of other people. And Father, we come to you more than likely as those who are carrying unforgiveness in our hearts. 
And my prayer, God, is that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit and the power of the love of Christ, would set us free from unforgiveness, that you would give us the power to say the three words that you prayed on the cross, Jesus, Father, forgive them. God, would you set us free and unleash us to do as Martin Luther King said to do, to change the world, to blot out injustice, to heal the world through the power of forgiveness. Lord, we hear your word. May we obey your word. And we thank you for forgiving us because we desperately need it, Lord. We pray these things in the resurrected name of Jesus Christ. Amen.